I'm a mad scientist, pal. Not a miracle worker. <laughs> and now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> um, hello ladies and gentlemen, I'm the Chris Keeper. And in preparation for this episode, the last week I've been chugging Zygrot24 in the hopes that it would convert me into some sort of weird, hideously deformed Chris Keeper, but apparently all it's made me want to do is get a haircut, put on some khaki pants and a polo shirt, um, get some nice wings at TGI Fridays, and invest in some stonks. That's pretty messed up. And you know what else is pretty messed up is is the movie Freaked, which is the movie that we're, we're supposed to watch this month. But I gotta tell you, it's really weird and it doesn't really have any point or make any sense. I don't know why you would watch that instead of, like, say, a nice Merchant Ivory movie that won an Oscar. But whatever. Whatever. Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I'm your host, Mr. Jason Jacknetti, and I'm joined this time out by uh, three of my compatriots. I don't know, that sounded shitty, but I would just go with it anyway. Here we go. Hey, uh, around your listening dial, first up is the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. My name is George Ramirez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay. And, uh, uh, up, up second is original uh, OG of the Freaks himself, Chris Honeywell. Welcome to show business, morons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the loud cackle you heard is my brother Luke Jack and Eddie. Damn buttered popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys uh, left me a ton of really good ones. Jason, yeah, have, uh, yeah, you get to scoop up, you get to scoop up all the scraps. scraps. Not the scraps. Not the There's no scraps in this movie. Twelve milkmen is theoretically possible. Thirteen is silly. Looks like there's one too many milkmen, Coogan. And then the best, the best is when Doug then goes. That's a lot of milkmen on one. The one they're fighting. No, the one, the one that my other one, my absolute, my my favorite line that because Jay knows this, I've been saying, damn buttered popcorn for years in relation to this movie. But the other one that I always do from this one, I got my DNA pumped so high you won't know what hit you. I'm a wrecking machine. Ah! <laughs> I'm su- I'm surprised nobody took styrofoam. <laughs> Alright, my my alternate was this one. You know, 
you'd be better off without a dick. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, can keep, you can keep the beard, though. <laughs> right. I like right it started out as a pimple, and then I scratched it. <laughs> but I, I the, like, I like the celebrity ones. That's why I picked the Melman. But yeah. they also had one of my favorite lines was by one of my favorite guest appearances, which was Gibby from the the Butthole Surfers saying, yes. "Hey." He's got a hand under there. <laughs> oh. So Donald, the styrofoam cup was my backup. Styrofoam cup. Go, and, that, and again, the way that I would say damn buttered popcorn, Jay would say styrofoam cup just randomly around the house growing up. But the problem is, it's not just styrofoam cup. The thing is to go bad for the environment. And you crush it. <laughs> you know, every time I press the other one, I had I had a, a number of them, but like there's that, and then there's uh, you could wipe my ass, uh, which is a great, uh, and then that sucker full of holes, man. Like it's just so okay, so yeah. okay. And that that's a really big shoe. Really big shoe. We're gonna kick Disney's dead ass, you know, kind of thing. Yes. So for those of you who have not figured out yet, because I'm going to tell you the, the honest truth here is that a lot of people probably haven't seen this fucking movie. And nope. it's a shame. <laughs> Hysterical. So this this movie is from 1993, and it's called Freaked. And it is uh, written, and well, it was written by uh, Tim Burns, uh, uh, Tom Stern, and Alex Winters. And then Tom Stern and Alex Winter, yes, that Alex Winter, are the ones who actually went on to actually direct this movie, um, which cost $13 million to make, and then made a whopping, astounding, outstanding $29,296. It's and so they sad. earned every penny of it. <laughs> I I gotta tell you, I remember when this movie came out, and I was not interested at all. I didn't, I I didn't notice that Alex Winter had anything to do with it, and I like my and I saw a trailer for it, and I thought to myself, this movie's trying too hard, and it's funny because uh, uh, earlier today I told I was. Uh, Recording with fellow uh, podcaster from the Honeywell Experiment, Thomas DJ, and told him that I'd just watched Freaks a couple nights before. And he goes, oh, is that the movie that just, like, defied you to stop watching it, <laughs> you know? And I was just like, yes, it is. But it, it failed miserably at, at making you want to stop watching it, you know? It looked like it was going to be, like... The, the the MTV style that works really good for 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 say like a David Lee Roth video, the length of time for a David Lee Roth movie, but for a full length movie, you know, meh. but boy oh boy does this uh, hold up that so, it, this does not lose energy for like a uh, a breath. No. Okay, so let me no. drop some information here. Real quick, let me drop some information here. So. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, we're not talking about the movie Freak. It was originally had, it was called, uh, what, Hideous Mutant Freaks? Hideous Mutant Freaks. They, they felt that that name wasn't marketable, so they went with the shit name that no one liked of Freak. Um, and it was actually picked up by 20th Century Fox as a feature film. Uh, they showed it to some to test screenings, and, 
what happened was they felt that the movie was far too weird to actually <laughs> and so right before it came out they had put post everything done they pulled the wide distribution except in australia and japan and it only played in a handful of theaters in the u.s and then straight to hbo where yeah. literally lucas have seen this movie dozens of times i fucking yes. own the DVD, the Blu-ray, I love this movie. And this is made to be watched dozens of times. Yeah. You have to watch it dozens of times. Every time you watch this movie, you get something a little bit different, and the lines just stick with you. Okay, so I'm just going to say this now. My wife had said, what the fuck are we going to watch? I'm not watching this shit, right? And I'm like, honey, you've seen this. Trust me, because I've never seen this. And it's true. She had never seen the first 10 minutes of this movie. She's no. like, what are we watching? No one's ever seen the first 10 minutes of Freaked. No one's right. ever seen the beginning with EES and all that. Not You always come in 10 minutes in. It's, why, it's like the Quick and the Dead. Nobody's ever seen the beginning of the Quick and the Dead either. I, I, I own the Quick and the Dead. So do I. I've still never seen the first 10 minutes of it. <laughs> opening credits are insane it look you know what it looks like it looks like a, a green jello fucking video yeah. it's like what are we yes oh like, uh, well like the the opening credits to this that that effect that they're yeah. in there it was like a combination of a little bit of claymation animation sort of and it was being like it was almost an early form of morphing and it has yeah. and i'm betting i would bet good money that that was done on this uh computer that you could buy around that time period called the video toaster and uh <clears throat> this this movie originally i guess was planned to be um a butthole surfers based movie oh because because alex winter had done and i highly recommend it it's on um youtube there's a, a butthole surfers barbecue bbq video that, that Alex Winter directed that's very much in this style. And uh, it was originally sort of going to be the Butthole Surfers circus of freaks out there in the. But, you know, it's easy. You know, that's not really an idea you're going to get $13 million no. for at that time. So it got adapted into what it is. But that. Though that sort of creative Alex Winter and the Butthole Surfers and those guys were all sort of like creative friends, and and when the Butthole Surfers would tour, like half of their video, they would always have videos and films playing, and the videos were them and their friends playing with a video toaster, and they looked like the opening credits to this movie. Watching the opening credits to this movie was like watching the background video on stage at a butthole surfers concert. So I think <laughs> that it, and, and, and it looked like half of like liquid television, you know, oh, the, yeah. especially the bumpers going to commercials and coming back. So, you know, liquid television had that sort of like halfway between real animation and computer or, you know, video messed with technology that just had this sort of in between look to it. It's very, it's very, uh, I don't want to say off-putting, but it, it puts you off-center, I, I should say. It's not off-putting because I, I don't find it unpleasant. <laughs> but uh, it, but it sort of makes you think you're good, like, oh, geez, you know, this works for three minutes on MTV. Is it going to work here? And 
it it does it, it cuts the difference between that mtv style and like you know how people say this movie is very much like a mad magazine comic mm. this one truly is yeah, like not, they don't yeah. just pack in the jokes they pack in every bit of the frame and they move it along at such a pace that it reads like a harvey it reads like a harvey kurtzman you know parody of itself yeah. it's yeah. it's amazing right well yeah you'll see so that I was, I was saying the the first time that i was exposed to this movie was in the page of fantastique magazine they did a small article on it and i remember reading about it and and the early images and i want to say there was a shot of, of ricky you know the half beast boy freak and I, I, you mentioned the butthole surfers and the butthole surfers connection with this. The immediate connection I made was to the butthole surfers video for who was in my room last night, which yes. is that that hellbilly redneck uh, in insane type of aesthetic that is this film. I you know because I think about that video and it's like in the they're in the bar and the girl's got like the claymation hair and it's but it's all it's all like that you know uh, it's it's basically what we would later call like Rob Zombie style right the hellbilly you know <laughs> yeah. demented redneck style but that but that's what it is right and so that's what I've always associated this with that and it's like I I do it that I was like and I love that video I love that song and I love that video I'm like fuck a movie length of that I'd watch that and then you watch the movie and it's like like, holy shit this is a million times crazier than that <laughs> so without uh, hyperbole yeah i i knew if i i, I had to find it I, I saw it somewhere okay so it says um here despite initial positive critical response the film opened october 3rd 1993 in the u.s in only two screens and made six thousand nine hundred fifty seven dollars uh. first weekend it was quickly dropped out of theaters making less than thirty thousand dollars and became a failure at the box office and was released on VHS around April 20th, 1994, and I'm sure went right to HBO soon after that. It goes literally mid-90s. I think we, Luke and I watch this movie every weekend. Like, I mean, so the crazy part about this, if you think about this now, um, Alex Winter, again, when you talk about a movie, Alex Winter, people know, like, Bill and Ted, man, you know, kind of thing. In fact, Keanu Reeves was in this movie. He plays yep. Ortiz. He was paid a million dollars to do his role. Uncredited. He never appears in any of the credits, but he's in there, obviously, as as or as Ortiz. Um, and then, uh, uh, but at the time, Alex Winters was working um, at MTV um, with um, with Stern and uh, with uh, what the his first name, uh, uh, Tom Stern. Tom Stern and him worked on uh, a show on MTV. And what happened was that's how they got. It was called the Idiot Box. Was now, the Idiot remember. Box? Was it? That's yeah. right. Yeah. And yeah. Tim Burns was one of the other writers on the show, so they kind of pulled him in. And what happened was they, they really, and that's when they started getting, the, them and the Buffalo servers became good friends and all this stuff, and they started trying to tie in everything that they found funny. So if you look at it, like like you said, Chris, it's a mad magazine, but it's also got Mighty Python in it. It's also got, like, yes. uh, you know, everything you can think of. There's all these weird things. It's satire machismo like it's just like weird shit like <laughs> no every, every second a... there's a non sequitur yeah. and like and just things throw like just little details like i've got a note here that actually says bathroom fupa in it because like when they they go in the plain bathroom there's there's yeah. a there's a woman an overweight woman in there 
and you plainly see, like, you know, she's really sitting, like, you can see her fupa. (laughs) That's just a detail they don't usually throw in. Yeah. I mean, mean, directly, if you want to directly reference it to Mad Magazine, that little kid, what, Stewie? Yeah, is is basically Alfred E. Newman. I mean, they basically yeah. pasted Alfred E. Newman's ears on him and <laughs> set him loose. That troll can help. That, that troll can help you if you let him into your heart. Your heart. Your heart. Your heart. <laughs> this, the, uh, this movie you know, was you sort talking... of like Ernest meets Butthole Surfers is sort of yes. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? You talk about Jay. You were talking about the show, The Idiot Box. And there's a there is an idiot box reference immediately after the opening credits, where you know before we get to the was it the Sky Taylor show, they have the news the Sky Daily show, um, yeah. they get the news broadcast the the special alert is like the flying gimp has been captured return to your homes the flying gimp is from the that that they use that same joke with the news of the about the flying gimp has been captured from the idiot box. So yeah, no no context to who the flying gimp is or was. No reference he's been to captured. It, no, no, none yeah. ever given ever again. Return yeah. to return to your homes. <laughs> like we, like there's all these things. There's all these weird things. Like there's like that are set up like Chekhov. Like there's Chekhov's firecracker where the first thing he says to the yes. I used to put firecrackers in it, and then at the end it pays off. Yep. But then. Worm guy never gets his ass wiped. You're, you're, you're like, no. there's got to be at some point the end of his arc is just going to be him getting his ass wiped and never. Well, he, never well you know, it's because he doesn't like macaroons. You know, <laughs> ridiculous. Just because a man doesn't like macaroons. Well, that's what I'm saying. If he has to stay a worm, at least at least once they get out, he's like can hires yeah. a, uh, an official ass wiper or something. You know. And, yeah. <laughs> So one of the because yesterday I was sending I didn't realize I was sending it to Luke and Chris I thought I was sending it to the whole thing right because I was sending the pictures and stuff I was doing and I said I put uh, uh, Frogman uh, Death is pre- what, what's, oh shit now I forgot it uh, uh, death, death is probably is best for you <laughs> and, it's frog- and his thing is he's French that's all there yeah. is with Frogman yes. he's a French Frogman guy. is a French guy in a in a diving suit he's a frog man it's yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my god, but the or, or or you know like why everyone hates Nosy for no reason? Yeah. And Nosy <laughs> seems to hate everyone. <laughs> Nosy, I never liked you. Suck my dick. Fair enough. You know kind of no, thing. But, but even even at even at Skuggs's show, everyone else is being a freak. He's Dan, he's wearing a gorilla suit. Again, Honeywell yeah. up your alley with a guy in yeah. a gorilla suit and he's dancing. He's the funky monkey. <laughs> he still gets booed. <laughs> <laughs> The other one is is absolutely great. Uh, is um, literally when um the hell I'm trying to, I can't think I know. God, um, why can't I think? Oh, it'll come to me. God damn it! <laughs> I uh, mean, you can. Oh no! Oh, oh okay, when they're on stage, when when uh when the chick who played Katie in TCU uh, is yes. now uh, with uh, his best friend there, and he goes, what is he? He goes, how many feminists does it take feminists. to screw away? Two, one. <laughs> it in the other to ride my Rodney well okay so here's the thing so as I said Kelly's never seen the beginning of this movie and I've only seen the beginning, the beginning of this movie probably two or three times I mean, I've seen this movie like dozens of times right so we start watching it and she's like what the fuck is this what is this and all of a sudden she gets here she goes why is that girl look familiar that's Katie from PCU she goes 
Remember the freshman girl who's worth the pre-fresh? All right. Well, as soon as Randy Quaid shows, holy shit, I've seen this. And I go, because Randy Quaid is hard to miss in this movie. Now, yeah. think for a second. This is 93. Randy Quaid, in the in his early career, did very serious roles. He was trying to be a serious actor like brother. But someone along the line realized and said, Randy, you're not very good at being serious. Fucking do comedies, uh, Cousin Eddie, because that's what we need. Yeah. Right, Cousin Eddie's Cousin Eddie was just like, you know, like it was basically like Shelley Duvall saying, Yeah, I'll play olive oil. It was just like oh. now he he's he's a like he's a, a very good comedic now he did spend a year on SNL where he people started kinda of buying it, but he always said and this is in the documentary I watched about it. He's like, I wanted a chance to try something. He goes, and I figured this is the this is the strangest thing I've ever gonna do in my entire life. So why not? Yeah. This, this, this is the strangest thing you've ever entire life. It is so funny. His lines, even even when um, you know that like they don't they don't seem like anything. The little throwaway lines and stuff like fiddle faddle. Like he everything. Yeah. <laughs> You know, no, our, right? yeah, but it's like, hey, puppetry is a puppetry is a dedicated craft in its own right. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he's he's a full character. You know, this movie yeah. has, you know, I mean, it has, I mean, okay, it has a story to it, but nothing <laughs> matters. No, no, nothing matters in this. This is a series of gags yep. and a series of throwaway characters. You don't even really need your characters to be too consistent outside of the of outside of any more depth than than Sockman is always not good at whatever he's articulating, <laughs> and that's it. But yeah, Randy Quaid, you can see his entire you know his entire character. You know he is he he ha- he he puts all sorts of layers of the wacky evil professor con man you know he's like okay let's see we got evil professor in here we got pt barnum we've got you know your sort of eccentric millionaire type of way of thinking and you know a a character that seems kind of like a redneck but he's got a little more intelligence to him but he's still a slob it's it's a it's it's he's the you know i mean Keanu Reeves is a great actor too, and he does do a great job as the dog boy. But, um, but boy, Quaid Quaid owns this movie. He he owns it. He really he like, yeah. He tried. He put his he put a hundred and ten percent into it, and it shows. And it and it it does. I want to say it carries the movie, but it doesn't. I mean, it's just as good as everything carries this movie. I mean, even. The giant, <laughs> the giant moving statue, or you know, representation of Randy Quaid's face is a yeah. great actor in there. That, the scene with the with it, the head following him around, it looked. I mean, it looks like Randy Quaid acting. You know, it's yeah. it's yeah. I yeah. I don't understand why this movie wasn't the beginning of a career for Alex. What you know, a career right. is parallel to Keanu Reeves in it, success. It, well, it is. It's just it's he's behind the camera. He's behind, yeah, behind but I mean, guy. I mean a bigger like a bigger Alex White. Like I mean, maybe it's because he's such a. I mean, maybe that's why I like him. Is 
I I always remember like when I would catch something Alex White go and and go, wow, the guy from Bill and Ted is a, is a, is really inventive and a super weirdo. You wouldn't think it. He just seems like a kind of goofy guy, kind of cheesy when you see interviews with him and stuff. But he's kind of a subversive. And then you find out he's working with the butthole surfers and stuff. And it's like, but I mean, this movie is like ahead of its time it's better than a lot of the the funny stuff it gets the 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 iconic like the i it it beats um up to the squirrel joke by what like 20 years 20 some years yes you know every, everybody thinks they're quoting up when they go squirrel squirrel but that's this this as far as I know, this is the origin of the squirrel joke. <laughs> a dog and a dog being distracted by a squirrel. There's no way. Yeah, that, it's that, all right there. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's Funny all part, right think there. About, think about Alex Winter, right? And you know, in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Like you're kind of looking at, it like, I mean, you kind of we watch Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winters. I mean, neither one of them came as much as like, oh my god, amazing actors in that, but. Those movies were so insanely popular, right? Yeah. All the, the Bill and Ted movies are so insane. Back to the point they want to still make another one, you know, kind of thing, right? It's, it's unfilming. It's so, yeah, yep. but, I'm saying, but, but I'm saying, but it's so funny that you think about it because with those movies, and they're they're funny. Those movies are funny, and they, yeah. well, they're, 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 they're silly. like they're silly and stupid. But at the same right. time, when you when I remember going getting dragged to the theater to see the first Bill and Ted movie. And going, this is just going to be stupid. And I'm like, wow, this is stupid in like the smartest possible way. It's like very right. intelligent about its its stupidity. <laughs> sort of, sort of like Wayne's World. Like the, the this and that and Wayne's World were both very intelligently written dumb movies. You know. So yeah. with the is, remember in the '80s, you had several movies that even though they kind of were like, I mean, I'm thinking of like. Um, like the great outdoors, plane trains, and automobiles, like the movies that were the, the the big comedies at the middle to late '80s kind of thing, right? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't mean the police, the police academies, and things like that, right? Kind of thing. But you had those kind of comedies that were, you know, well written. They're respectable actors, being Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, you know, Steve Martin. You got, you know, real actors there. Then you had your Naked Gun kind of movies, building off of Police Squad, you know, with Leslie Nielsen, whatever. And those were just kind of nuts. But like, and then like Bill and Ted's kind of thing, which was aimed more at a younger audience. This movie is literally unlike every one of those, and that is, I think, what makes it stand out. And it's funny because it's a movie that I literally quote, literally. I, I wish I was kidding. I will say, damn butter. Whenever I can't open something, damn butter. <laughs> just time. My daughter says it. Okay, so literally, Kelly and I are watching it. Whatever, Haley is stumbled in from her room she goes what are you watching is that a cow is that a talking cow <laughs> right I go, it's a movie you have to you have to understand when i sit and watch this she goes i'm not watching this walks into the bathroom and pees comes back out she goes is that man a worm what are you what and then walks out of the room and i'm like no it's really funny come back and kelly who doesn't find anything funny or like anything, or look up from her phone, is now laughing her ass off because she remembers now how funny this is going to be. And she knows, she goes, oh, I know there's going to be some crazy shit coming here. But she's forgotten most of the jokes. And literally, the only thing she remembers a lot of times are the things that I say repeatedly because that's how fucking things work when you're a guy. You know, kind of thing. So, um, it's 
the fucking truth. No, but like, so when, when I say, when I, whenever I crush something, I go, bad for the environment. Haley doesn't know what that means, but she knows I say it. The same way when something opens, you go, shh, shh you know, from Airplane 2. That kind of thing. Yep. Uh, you know, the whole idea is that this has portable lines that are funny as hell that literally no one understands where it's coming from because you haven't seen it. It's a movie yeah. that if we did not cover this here, I was going to make Dad watch this and we were going to come Oh my to God. And I think Dad would have lost his fucking mind about five minutes <laughs> in. I have to stick with it. Because once you get past the opening, once you get past any, any, once you get past when they get to Santa Flan, what the fuck kind of name is that for a country? Why did they just put it in Texas? Why did they no, put because it in Because it, it has to be in another country. It has to be in South America where life is cheap. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but they should. Yeah, but they could have just gone. Well, we'll just put it in Texas where life is cheap. But, but, then they, but, that, but then nobody I, in that country I, is like Spanish, like the milkman. Yeah, they're all. Like, yeah, they're like all the whitest fifties milkman ever. Yeah. Randy Quaid is this Texas guy in the middle. You know, right, that, it's that's all. It's, everybody's it's, it's, American. I will say this, great, I mean, we talked about those, all these throwaway gags in it, great throwaway gag, when they're in Santa Flan, and, uh, and uh, you know, we have the voiceover between R Ricky and Ernie, and the plane blows up, man, glad that wasn't our plane. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very good exploding plane effect, too, I don't know if that was stock footage or something, that but it was got very to be good stock effect. footage. <laughs> that, that, that has to be as someone that's 20th Century Fox had a, had that like on a reel somewhere they took it from because they didn't film that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was it was just yeah. I, there's all sorts of things like they they use uh that that I I was just like it's so well obviously he likes the butthole surfers he put him put them in the movie and the, and some of their music in it but they keep using the the down out down out down out for when the freaks change. Which yeah. is great because it saves them the money by using the butthole surfer's sweat loaf. They don't have to probably pay the money for actual yeah. sweet the Black Sabbath sweet leaf, which I imagine was much more expensive. Yeah. So and I and I I prefer to see sweat loaf in this. There's there's a few little cut up pieces of butthole surfer songs turning up here and there. That's that's beautiful. But I mean, it has just like. There's one point where there's two monsters fighting that are basically somewhere in between Basil Wolverton and Big Daddy Roth. Yes. You know, just, just a lot of Big Daddy Roth on this movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, well, that but that get that gets back to the whole Hellbilly thing because I always I I always associate Hellbilly with like you know Ratfink and that type of look too. You know yeah, that it's yeah. it's it's gro grotesquery, but it's also kind of redneck at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so, okay, so what I was going to say uh, is, so if we didn't cover it here, I was going to make Dad watch this. And if Dad could get past, literally, if he could get past the beginning part of this and get to where they actually have the makeup effects, he would love the makeup effects in this movie because they're all yeah. outstanding makeup effects. You can see that this movie yeah. costs $13 million. The makeups in this movie are outstanding. but And they're different. Thinking, oh, yeah. that's what I'm saying. But here's the thing. When you start thinking about, well, who could work in this movie? You know, like you might think, like, I might be K and B and whatever. No. It's the Chota brothers, who yeah. we know are clowns from outer space. 
it's Screaming Mad George, which you know from a whole lot of fucking 80s and the 90s, like insane stuff, because he's amazing. And then there's a few scenes of, of the, the claymation, right, in the movie, right, which is where they where they come yeah. together, and you the, 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 the uh, Cyclops from uh, Seven Points of Sinbad, yeah. you get Gumby yep. jerking off and uh, with, with the pokey and whatever, and now that's David Allen, right, Lou? Well, from what I was reading is that the Chodo brothers were credited with the claymation and then David Allen and David Allen Studios was credited with the stop motion. So I couldn't find verification. But what I'm assuming is that the scene where Ernie and uh, Julie are combined, that is that is all claymation with the T-Rex and the Cyclops and Gumby that I'm guessing was the Chodo brothers. And then at the very end, when Skuggs shoots the E. Yes, guys, with the with the the uh, Zygrot twenty four. That's really big Jew. The big Jew is clearly David Allen stop motion to my eye, because of just the way it moves and it looks. That's the type of thing they would say. Well, we need we need one we need one scene of stop motion. Somebody call David Allen, you know, right. and then and then that would be the thing he would do. But yeah, there's it's it's we talked about this time ago when we talked about the Nightmare on Elm Street movies how these movies were on such a short timetable that they'd get a bunch of different effects teams to come in and do one sequence or one shot and that's what we've got here if you watch the credits and I do recommend the credits because there's some great music in the end credits the song Hideous Mutant Freaks is a great song um, but there's a lot of different special effects uh, groups and individuals that are credited in this film and yeah it, it looks it doesn't look like anything it's so bizarre and so eclectic and isn't that just perfectly 1993 being yeah. eclectic but, I mean, that I... was the whole thing because in well but even even when you get into like the, the musically at that time with uh you know we're 93 we're we're well into alternative Seattle grunge scene, popular thing in that time frame in the 90s, the idea of taking different things and throwing it together, you know, unironically listening to Tony Bennett, you know, in, when you're in high school, that was a thing, you know, uh, you know, having, you know, the ideas of, of that kind of stuff, just everything, everything has merit, take, pick and choose and get what, what works for you from each thing. That was a, such a 90s thing to me. And that's what I love that this is such an eclectic, weird ass yeah. movie that's like that. Well, the the thing about the '90s is, is that was like a lot of that eclectic, like a lot of the eclectic stuff of the '90s didn't age well. You know, it was it was it was sur- sort of a surface thing. It was yeah. like a style, style over substance, and right. like to maintain that, like this movie, th- this movie is the cr- the cream of the crop. Like I would like. Like just to make a comparison between since they're you know both work in that sort of Texas psychobilly sort of area, although I wouldn't put butthole surfers are more like weird acid psychobilly. Yeah. They're more like the yeah, butthole they're, they're surfers. More, and yeah, Rob they're more Zombie. like a trippy stuff. Yeah. And and like Rob Zombie's stuff is really slick, and Rob Zombie sees all the like he sees all the elements of it and combines them but it's very like it's very composed where like the butthole surfers it comes out of sort of more of them living that life you know and yeah, there's a price for that i think rob Zombie's probably in better shape than the butthole surfers are like probably physically and mentally right now yeah, but, yeah probably probably and but uh um 
like a lot of that stuff from the 90s just ended up being kind of like it, you could still watch the movies and they're still kind of amusing but boy this thing ages i mean and it has like a lot of dated stuff in it like bob like uh, bob vila jokes and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> you know which worked fine for us old guys you know but at the same time it just it there's is it's about nothing it's fluffy but they realize that and they put so much work and thought into it to not only keep it moving but to keep the the, the even though even though the humor is pretty much you know in the toilet for the most the most part it's a really smart movie and it and it's like uh it like this would usually turn me off to him. It's got an attitude to it. And, and usually like in the nineties, when something had an attitude towards it, it was kind of obnoxious, but I mean, his character and his best friend are two of the most like just caricatured, obnoxious characters in the world. Right. And yeah. still, they but, still but no one, yeah. managed to make it work. You know, they, and, even though it's yeah. a parody of a, of a redemption arc, it still works and it's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, but I, I, what I, I love about this, this also is that remember it being good. this good when I watched it when in the nineties. Yeah. See, I, I also really like that. No one, no one escapes unscathed in this. You know, ostensibly, Julie is a air quotes up to the mic, a good person, right? She's this 90s activist, you know, social justice individual. But then she's the one that gets them in all the trouble in the first place, because the the one that's all about human dignity and decency says, cool, a freak show. She wants to see she wants to see. Well, that that and, and that's a nice, smart. She wants to see the freak show. And then. Immediately after she gets called on, he's like, you wanted to see the freak show. She's like, well, then she starts setting up a whole like like humanistic reasons why she should be there. And she keeps trying when when, you know, talking to Randy Quaid to put it in that context. And he's just look at her and be like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) over here, (laughs) you know, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, no every every character is just like yeah, is is completely likable and completely well, you know, I mean there's yeah. there's whole characters in here that are just gags, you know, the fart man, the, the frog man, the eternal Paul flame, Lynch. yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Paul, hey, we should mention Paul Lind as himself is just <laughs> just... <laughs> Paul Lind and Mr and, and Mr T, of course, a Mr. few uh Mr T they, yeah. the, this movie, I mean, this movie at this time period got Mr. T playing a woman and and like way ahead of where there are people literally like Mr. T's character in this movie saying the same lines of like, I just decided I was a truck driver. I decided I'm a woman. Now I'm a woman. Yeah. I'm happy to be a woman, you know? It's, you know, in in 93, that was, that was this, you know, the crazy irony also of it being Mr. T and that that Mr. T would take the role and just do it so straight up. Well, yeah. And that, that of of all the freaks. Yeah. And of all the freaks, the bearded. Yeah. I was going to say, but of all the freaks, the bearded lady is the only one who's happy. 
Notice yes. that the bearded lady's content. He's like, I'm, I'm happy with this change, and it, and he, you know, really seems to enjoy giving beauty tips and all that. It's like the, things are going okay for the bearded lady. I don't know why he changed back. Yeah, like low-key this should have been a cult movie for like trans people, you know, an early trans character that they could, you know, that was that was fully self-aware and and happy with themselves and living in their own skin. So, okay, the the one I feel the most sorry for, though, literally, is the wrench who's turned into the hammer. Yes, I was going to say the wrench, man. But that still scene... Like, it's just so funny. It's like, oh, like, they all react, like, so horribly to it. It's like, God, what a little throwaway nothing scene. That seems like nothing. But, but you know, like, yeah. But, it's but you so... know what's great? Yeah. With the, when they have the 12 milkmen. Yeah. Bearded lady is carrying the hammer who yeah. is carrying a little, little milkmaid. You. <laughs> <laughs> I did not notice that. Fight. A lot of milkmen on the same round. No wonder they fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, outside of no, Mel this, Brooks, I mean, we, we say it a lot. We say it a lot on this show, but this movie truly has to be seen to really be believed oh, because yeah. no no amount of verbal description will ever do freaked justice. This movie is just crazy, go nuts in every possible sense. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, seeing it pop up on cable the first time and i think i actually i think i caught it right from the beginning at one of the few people that did because you know when you're a teenager and you're not dating and your homework's all done and you're staying up late on the weekend you know you're just gonna sit and watch the boob tube and it was one of those things i'm like is that bill s preston okay and it just goes further and further weird from there and it's like how did how did it even get made you I know, know but, and that's the thing is, it's it's got an impressive cast. The 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 sets are amazing. The yeah. the the makeup is amazing. The the sound design is like layered like a fire sign theater record. You know, I mean, every little thing has sound effects to it. At the end, when they when when he finally hu- hugs her, you hear her boobs squish when they t- hit, hit. They go, <laughs> <laughs> and you know. They were just, you know, they. It's very rare that you see anything outside of, say, Monty Python, or the Zuckers, or Mad Magazine, or Firesign Theater, where people like in comedy, where people really like that people do this style of wacky humor and throwaway gags. But this, I mean, th- like, you know, there was there was a little, like, they sat down and really planned this out. And then, like, they probably, you know, wrote the main story and then just kept layering it and layering <laughs> it and layering it. And then when they, I mean, you could just watch the scenes of the audience at the freak show over and over again and watch to see what each individual person because each individual person in that audience or little group of people have their own little story and and thing that they that they consistently are doing and you know stick to through it and it's it's amazing to watch you know they didn't just get a group of people and be like all right everybody you know wave your hands around they were like you guys you guys are this you guys are this you guys are this and you're doing this and it's 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 fun to watch. I mean, it's like 
it's it's one of those movies when you get done it's like you're waiting to go see it again because then you can start preparing yourself ahead of time to pick out the other things that are going on around the edges yeah it's one of those movies you want to watch again because you're not quite sure what the hell it is you just watched the first time. Yeah, dude. well, and that's I think that that experience is going to get repeated. I think every time you watch it, you're going to go back and go like, "All right, figure this sucker out now." Yep. <laughs> what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> and that's success in in a way. That's yeah. That's sort of what I shoot for when I do like photoshops of people's faces on other people's bodies <laughs> oh yeah i'm well aware of that yeah <laughs> i don't want anybody ever to feel like they get used to it you know yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that's when th- you know you're dead inside yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so the thing is so we, as luke said you got it and we've all kind of meant anything we have you have to, has to be seen to be believed so the thing is if you were looking to pick this up on DVD, it is available. It's it's long out of print, but every once in a while you can find one floating around the two disc DVD. Um, and then what happened was the uh, that disc that 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 comes out I'm say 2005 that around that came out, and it it, it is I mean, again I own that I bought it when as soon as it came out, but it's one of those things that's been floating around. You can find one. They kind of start getting a little pricey. Back in 2013, Anchor Bay and Stars re-released the exact same thing that was on the DVD, just on one single Blu-ray. Now, um, and as I said to the guys before we got on, hey, I, I forgot I bought it on Blu-ray, because I remember I had the DVD, and the Blu-ray was on my shelf, too. And I picked the Blu-ray up for about $10, $12, right? It's now up to about uh, $80, because it's also out of print. And that's the okay. problem, is that it's never shown on cable, because they, well, where are you going to show this kind of thing? And, you know... Uh, and it's not shown. It's not a movie that is readily available, like on D, uh, in physical media. But it's actually on YouTube, right? Yep. And I don't think anyone's racing to rip it down because it's out of print. Yeah. So no one's losing any money on it because it's not actual. And the print on YouTube is, I think, taken right from the actual original DVD from 2005, right? It's not bad. I mean, it's not perfect, but it's, it's certainly... It's, it's kind of in a... I don't know if they filmed it in a more of a TV aspect ratio, but it's kind of in the TV aspect ratio, I noticed. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, it might have been taken from the, when it was on HBO. Then, you oh, know, kind of thing, like, you know what I'm saying? But it's it's definitely more than more than easy to watch. Um, yesterday, in fact, I mean, I watched this the other day, and then yesterday when I was working on a few models, I actually turned it on again on YouTube, and I was listening to it as I'm as I'm working, and of course, as I'm listening, I'm looking over and watching, because I'm laughing the whole time, <laughs> and again, I, as I'm saying the lines as they're saying or right before they, like, I'm literally doing the entire movie, because it's just a movie you kind of know, and for those of you who have ever heard me on, uh, when I was on, is it Jaws, where um, Paul and I talked about planes, trains, and automobiles, and I talked about the fact that that's one of my favorite comedies of all time, and it's one of the, it's, it's such a great movie, um, this is a comedy that I hold in the regard of that being that funny, if not yes. at times. It's not a smart like. It's not no. a movie where it's smart like Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, where it's like, okay, like this is you know John Hughes and whatever. This is bat fucking shit crazy at times. This this is and, this and, is the filmmakers showing off, and yeah. and and all and like it, this is like filmmaking showing off. It has all every different like style of every different technique of filmmaking and special effects shoved into it 
Whereas plane trains and automobiles was more like the the wonderful chemistry of two you know skilled actors or co comic actors together. This was like the skill of like filmmakers, you know, being able to. I mean, there's every every kind of like camera move and almost special effects trick is used in this movie. Yeah. Well, so I mean, what, 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 what the idea is being is this: is that some people are like, well, you know, I like comedies like this, and I like comedies like this. And the thing is, if you are a fan of comedy, right, kind of thing, then you can like the Dream Team, and you can like Major League, and you can like you know movies that were much more mainstream. And let's be honest, Major League is a very different kind of comedy than the Dream Team, even though they were made <laughs> literally at the same time, right? But those are movies that maybe people, I mean, not maybe I've forgotten about and that's one of the things about comedies unless you watch a lot of comedies over and over again and some people you know watch comedies over and over again I guess you know kind of thing but certain comedies will stay with you and certain lines from comedies especially will stay with you right why do the why do the naked gun movies endure even to this day when you go back and watch naked gun or if you really go back and watch police squad because when the Zuckers were doing those things and and you know, when they were writing those things, they were writing those movies and 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 the TV show, they were being intelligent about what they were doing. It's not the same thing as watching, uh, you know, a, a John Hughes movie. But by the same token, it's not the same thing as watching Monty Python, which was also very intelligently written. It's it takes the situation and the absurdity of the situation and kind of puts it in a different light. But they also stand out as being different and. It's okay to like different kinds of comedy. Okay, I know this is a horror show and all this stuff, but we talk about all different kinds of horror movies on this show, right? Mm. We talk about psychological movies, we talk about blood and guts movies, slashers, whatever. You can like all those different things. It's not like it has to be mutually exclusive, which I think some people feel it needs to be. Like, I can't possibly like this. I can only like comedies that have Chris, uh, that have Chris Rock in them. Well, okay. Well, there are some of those might be funny, but some of them might suck. You got to take it not just the person's in it, but well, what's there. Right? If, if anybody mean? wants to 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 fight us about this being a horror, you know, oh, I thought you did horror movies on this. I'll fight oh, about it. this not being a horror movie. Yeah. This is as no. this is as Cronenbergian body horror as <laughs> anything Cronenberg's done. Yeah. So I yeah. have body fluids in it. Hell yeah. yeah. Especially Coogan, he's leaking them all over the place. In fact, all the <laughs> movie is all real because his teeth are too big for his mouth and he drew like a motherfucker. So <laughs> the whole thing is, though, like, you can like these different kind of things. And this part of just being a fan, and, and Luke talks about this a lot, like, where, you know, you know, it, like Luke talks about, like, Earth Structure Directive being for everyone, right, Luke? You know, kind of thing. That's right, yeah. And th there's no reason that you can't, you can't like things. Because we've had situations, and you guys know this, because we, we talked about uh, Rogue One on here, because somebody had the fucking audacity to shoot back at us and say, well, you're not even a fucking Star Wars fan. I'm like, I don't care if I'm not a Star Wars fan as much as you are and jack it off like you do. I can still enjoy a movie that it is, right? There, there might be people who, like, who just can't kind of... It's it's easy to like try to start a fight about everything, but, but why don't you just shut the fuck up and try it and see what's going on? Because as soon as you try, you know, I'm, I'm not kidding. As soon as some people, if you're thinking like, well, Jay's on his soapbox being a dickhead now, well, fuck you. So, but it's true. <laughs> Don't you know, tell me what I'm thinking. Yeah, right. Fuck off. Right? Give this movie a chance. It's it's literally it's 
there's it's not even 90 minutes long. You have wasted 90 minutes playing with yourself over nothing. And this movie, at least you'll get something out of. Because when it's all said and done, even if you're like, that is the most insane shit I've ever seen in my entire life, you won't forget it. Nope. You certainly won't forget it. Nope. Because there's there's four min there's four hours worth of jokes in that ninety minutes. Oh yeah. That <laughs> under ninety minutes. It's um it's amazing. Jokes. jokes. That's a, that's, but there's jokes everywhere. There's little things. Now, one of the things I can I can honestly say is it does help if you remember the nineteen eighties. Because there are definitely some 80s jokes in there that you might not understand if you were younger and don't remember the 1980s. Like, like Hollywood Squares. Like, yeah. I watched a lot of fucking Hollywood Squares, right? Yes, like, we, we did. A lot of, yes, we know, did. Right? Watch a lot of Hollywood Squares, yeah. Larry Bud Melman. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> things like that work really well if you remember. See, when, I, when Larry Bud Melvin came on, I'm like, holy fuck, I forgot he was in this. Like, I forgot <laughs> it was him. I knew there was a guy, but I forgot it was him. And it makes it funny. But even if you don't know him, what do you guys think you're doing? You are going to get some blood on you. are not going to be in Hollywood. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, losers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So even even to this point, right? In this movie, not only is there... Richard uh, T. play a transsexual, right? There's uh, there's homosexual joking. Where there are oh, more yeah. uh, members. Are, and that's, that's, of course, Alice Winter and... and uh, and Tom Stern, they get up and walk out. That's the two directors. They walk out as the gay couple, right? And nowadays, well, that's offensive to me. The fuck you talking about? It's a comedy, okay? Mel Brooks made comedies that people think are so brilliant. They are so offensive. Oh, yeah. But it's not offensive if you make... It's not designed to be offensive. It's making fun of everything, yes. right? And that's the things, is that you can look at, you know... I, I mean, as a fan of obviously Mel Brooks, Luke and I watched Mel Brooks movies growing up. I mean, I mean, good Lord, Blazing Saddles. When we heard there's a movie, Blazing, we got to see this Blazing Saddles movie. My dad's like, well, I don't know about the language. Like, we can handle it, Dad. And I'm like, wow, they said the N-word a lot in this movie. <laughs> well, Blazing Not- Saddles was like, that. that's because Mel Brooks, like people say you could can't make Blazing Saddles anymore, but you could. The, th- the thing about Blazing Saddles is, Mel Brooks is Mel Brooks, and he can get away with a lot because he's yes. like he's a Jewish comedian. There, he could like make fun of himself. Like the, the, he he he's always been able to get a lot of leeway. But when he wrote Blazing Saddle, when, it, when they were doing Blazing Saddles, they were like, "Hey, let's bring in um, um, Richard Pryor," you know, to 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 handle like to to handle the racial humor in it and so then they had like a black person writing the racial humor so if anybody anybody gave him any shit they could say well like this is written by richard pryor and it was written by richard pryor who knew how to make it you know i mean all the racism in blazing saddles is like the biggest mockery of you know it's just mocking racism top to bottom so it's, I mean, I, it, it was well thought out. It wasn't just done as a series of cheap. It was done as a series of cheap jokes, but they thought, how can we put some, you know, how can we put it into a framework where it actually is mocking what it, so it can't be used in the opposite way. So right. it's good writing. So, you know, yeah. as long as you got good writing, you can get away with a lot. South yeah, Park. That's, yeah. that's yeah. what I'm saying though. How that stuff to happen. And so, at no point in this movie are you saying, 
you're not sitting there going, wow, this is making a big political statement. This is making this. Like, yeah, is it is it is it kind of funny that Mr. T, one of the most manly men of the 80s, right? You know, on the A team and like he was at WrestleMania and Hulk Hogan with that thing kind of thing, is that he's the one who turns out to be the bearded lady? Yeah. <laughs> but, but the same token, though, as you just said, he's the only fucking person who's happy in the whole movie. He's the only one that's like, oh, I love this. You know, kind of thing. And, but it's you know, like that's why this movie is just so crazy and out there, because every viewing is something well, different. It, it's like it's like hang on, it's like. Remember when you first saw Fury Road, right? Yep. Remember how fucking good Fury Road was. Think about the second time you watched Fury Road, when now you can kind of absorb more of the stuff you missed, right? And, and that's to me. That's what I always kind of look at, and that's why when I watched Fury Road the second time, like, well, I got a lot, and then I watched it in black and white or black and chrome, and like yeah. you get things out of it. Well-made movie. This movie, you're not going to go. This is not an Academy. This is not Ben Hur, Cleopatra, the fucking robe. None of that poor shit, right? This is a comedy that is well written and funny, and it's better with multiple viewings. It's actually better when you have some like-minded people together because Luke will tell you, we start laughing at this thing at like 11 o'clock at night. Dad's like, what the hell are you guys doing? We're in the living room dying laughing at a movie we've already seen, right? Yeah. Because it's that good. So, sorry, I'll get off my fucking soapbox because, you know, I'm just an old man and, you know, get off my lawn. So, uh, <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, so, yeah, if you want to see this, it's on YouTube. I advise you to go watch it because it's hysterical. And, yeah, you have you – know, you have nothing to lose there uh, like i mean that like this this movie doesn't even have a bad reputation or anything it's almost like it just like never really got its due and it should really like be I, i'm hoping in the internet age and i know um what's their names red letter media did a video about it at one point so i'm hoping maybe it'll get a a second life in the internet age that that people people appreciate it because man it should be it should be a classic from the 80s it should be a classic of its type you know it, it's sort of doing it's sort of taking mtv and doing what the zuckers did but without parroting one style you know not parroting a disaster movie or a spy movie or something like that it's just i mean there's political statements in it but they're the most ridiculous they're just yeah. for gag. Yeah. It's like pollution is bad. Corporations have a board that they control, and they're heartless, you know, heartless <laughs> monsters. Everything is just a parody of itself, you know. That you you can't pin it down to any point of view or or anything because it's just there to just generally mock and and exaggerate everything. <laughs> So just just yep. real quick, uh, it actually in 1995, um, it, it was it was it won two different awards. It won the grand prize at the 95 um, Grammier Film Festival, hmm. and it also won uh, best actor for uh, for creature film, uh, creatures on film, um, at the 1994 uh, Fanta Festival as well. It also was nominated for a Saturn Award, uh, which is honors the best in science fiction and horror for best makeup effects. So technical aspects of this movie. You know, were were not missed. The critics were split. Some ripped it apart. Like anybody who was like, you know, you know, um, you know, thumb up their ass, you know, highfalutin, thinking they're amazing, ripped it apart. But the problem, ready for this, right? 
So, um, Entertainment Weekly has, I think, one of the best ways to describe it, has more laughs than a month of Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, mm. that's one, right? And here's one. This is, this is A month of Saturday can... Night Lives? That's only four Saturday Night Lives. It's like more like six months, like a season yeah. of Saturday Night Lives. <laughs> but I'm saying that makes a lot of sense because the thing is, Saturday Night Live, you watch it, and sometimes you had a funny skit, but a lot of stuff fell flat in Saturday Night Live. Even, even Luke and I used to watch the old Saturday Night Lives from the 70s, you know, uh, with Belushi and you know, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and stuff. And that stuff had some humor to it, but a lot of that stuff fell flat too. So they yeah, no, this had more of the energy of, like, the short subject films that they would have on the old Saturday Night Live, like the Gumby movies or the, <laughs> or the cartoon, cartoon uh, funhouse or, and stuff like that, where it was, though, though, like, those, like, Saturday Night Live, it was like, every once in a while there'd be a skit that's, like, great, and you're like, oh, I'm enjoying the skit, and it's like ice cream, yum, 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 and then there was other ones that were, like, a little chuckle in the duds. And you're sort of waiting and waiting through it, but anytime you saw like a fake commercial, so, something yeah. that somebody sat down and animated or did like a Gumby thing, those things were always like a hundred times funnier. You know, the, the the funniness was condensed down into them and denser, and they were always better and had much more energy because they were a planned, you know, planned and created a little thing that they played on Saturday Night Live rather than, like, a skit going on live, you know, that was either going to work or not. These guys could sit there and tweak stuff and fix it and add it in and put, you know, more layers into it. And this felt like somebody took, like, five years' worth of those from Saturday Night Lives and stuck them all together. <laughs> the other thing, real quick, uh, the, um, to the, the, the creator of Running Stimpy said that it was the funniest movie he's seen in years and actually the New York Times which is there's not more highfalutin nose up in the air kind of thing to use it in the Times actually said it was one of the top comedies of the 90s which for a movie that no one it played in two fucking theaters in the US no one saw when it came out that's not a bunch I mean again Time Out New York gave it a bad review and uh, I know the absolutely worthless Rotten Tomatoes, which is a fucking joke and a half. It has it as it, it has based on 15 reviews. It's had a 47 percent. So that means no one, no one who's ever seen the movies ever reviewed it. That's what that means, right? So the thing is, so it had some, you know, bad reviews. Not not a lot of bad reviews, but enough. But the the, the problem is, if 20th 20th Century Fox had given it a chance and put it out there, right? It might have caught on. It might have. I mean, again, it might have made more than 29 it might have made 30 grand it didn't make even 30 grand right it might have made back some of its money but maybe people would know it and again maybe we start in our word of mouth gets people that start getting out there and they start watching this or passing it on and maybe you can grow but it's it's just so hard to 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 get people to like you know to listen for five fucking seconds sometimes to get what you're saying like, like look this is not this is not going to be some cookie cutter the exact same bullshit you know comedy you've seen before it's it's a comedy that's well thought out it's well written it's funny all the way through the effects are killer so if you're somebody who's like man that's you know like oh that looks cheesy it looks there's nothing that looks the things that look cheesy are supposed to look cheesy right you know kind of thing like think about it two rastafarian eyeballs with machine guns <laughs> are in this movie yeah, no, this yeah. This, he, this should have put him at a level of Tim Burton, I think. Right. This 
has the energy that creative energy of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying, but you totally buy that they're. Hey, man, that suck is full yeah. of holes, man. You totally <laughs> buy the two Rastafarian eyeballs. And what happens? How are they defeated? They kick dirt in them. Of course you do. You kick dirt yeah. in someone's or in someone's eye, don't you? You know, kind of thing. So, I mean, even when even when the when when Stewie's in the cage with the two-headed chicken. The fuck's with the two-headed chicken? <laughs> it's yeah, like, they the built f- a nice two. That was a pretty decent little puppet two-headed chicken that? too. For for a nothing scene, you know, because Stewie's gonna break out of that cage real quick. Well, not only that, they didn't only do that, but then they had to film it and 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 take it and do like, um, you know, um visual pr- uh, what, what what the hell do they call optical printer work on it to have when he was f- when they were ha- when they were showing the psychic connection between him and the kid and the kids floating behind him the chickens there too pecking, yeah. The, yeah. pecking the kid that's what i'm saying so anyway uh okay. yeah it I don't, goes I don't the know. extra mile i, I you know if you're if you're d- not watching this movie i i don't blame you because most people haven't heard about it but now you've heard about it and i just gotta say what the fuck is the matter with you if you hate yourself so much that you don't like a good time enough to sit down and watch this movie it's a joy from beginning to yeah yeah first five or ten minutes it looks like it's gonna be obnoxious because it is obnoxious but it's still you know at least you got deep roy thrown in there (laughs) shrinking juan valdez and Juan Valdez is another one that a lot of people yeah. might not get, but he picked every bead by hand and inspected mm-hmm. it with his son and his mule. And uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah, if you if if you hate joy and happiness, then sit this one out. It's especially if you hate like a free movie that's gonna fill you with joy in, in a time where you're probably kind of grumpy at the very best like everybody else you know go ahead and skip it it's 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 only for free on youtube so you could watch it any time that you want in little pieces if you want it or whatever but no you just go ahead and skip it you moron <laughs> so real yeah. quick deep roy deep roy actually uh acted as the stunt double for stewie when he gets thrown through all the the the, 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 the big glass <laughs> uh, oh i know the way out yeah, well, okay, so he kept going through them, and on one of them, he cut himself up real bad. All right, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, it's fake glass, but but Deep Roy was the he was the one standing in for him, wearing all the stuff, and he actually got cut up real bad when he went through one of them. I'm like, oh, are you joking me? Like, holy shit, really? Okay, and I feel bad, but it's like, like, of course it did, of course it did. Like, you know, kind of yeah. like, like, it's it's a simple thing. They they could have taken a dummy, like an actual stuffed dummy just throwing it through and not have to be a person but and it would have been just as funny it would have been very funny to have a dummy getting tossed through right but they wanted they dropped to make a dummy it... next to the hay the pile of hay right that was great well, yes. <laughs> well i'm okay ah! right, you know, <sighs> but the thing is like i think they were trying to make it look as good as possible like oh we got him he'll willing to do it sure let's do it it's like oh so all the little things that you just don't appreciate on the first viewing, you'll appreciate it the second time. And like Chris said, it's free! It's, you know, all it's going to cost you is less than 90 minutes. God, you waste that doing lots of other things no one wants to talk about. So, 
anyway. Yeah, it's it's so. all the little things like deep Roy. <laughs> <laughs> well, is he and what he call is even smaller than him. The other guy, uh, um, I forgot his name. God damn it. Um, oh shit, the the one because he because he deep Roy is not the last one. He's 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 the second last one. Because remember, he gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Yes. Uh, I gotta find his name. So let's bam for time here. Um, uh, it's Mitchie uh, Mazaros. Millie Mitchie Mazaros. I think I said it. So he has since passed away. This little tiny man. Um, was he Alf? I think he was. He did. He, he did. He was. Uh, he did the stunts in Look Who's Talking. He's Andy from Big Top Pee Wee. Um, I think he he must have played Alf because there's literally pictures of Alf all over this page. Um, so he portrayed, yeah, he portrayed little people in Big Top Pee Wee and the Warlock. He must have been Alf. So I don't know. It's Alf is literally all over this entire page I'm looking at here. So, uh, yeah. So he was only in eight things. Yes, he was Alf. He played all those roles and was an Alf super fan. <laughs> yeah, he he, yeah, he 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 was the Stewie for Alf. That's what he was. Uh, <laughs> well, anybody else have any uh, last words? No, word? I mean, like I said, you like, like I said before, you got to see it to believe it. So if you haven't seen Freak, go watch it. That's all yeah. I can say. That the that's the highest recommendation I can give. The more will spoil it. And hey, we got and and Alex Winter should be back in the news because we got a new Bill and Ted coming. So yeah. If we ever get movies again. Oh, we will. Website at two true freaks.com. Two true freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email two true freaks directly at two true freaks at gmail.com. Two true freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. 
happens. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids, good night. We're off? Good, well that ought to hold the little bastards.